0: Source of true delight my unseenado Unveil thy beauties to my sight that I might love thee more Oh that I might love thee more You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding die. Today's reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 15 and that can be found in the Blue Bible on page 968. Again, it's 2 Corinthians 9 or chapter 9 verses 6 through 15. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For his inexpressible gift. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever.
1: Let us ask the Lord to bless us as we come to his word. O Holy Spirit, you have poured out into our hearts the love of God. You have revealed Christ to us. We've begun to taste your goodness through Jesus Christ. Lord, we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. and Lord, this word is a part of your love, your wisdom, your graciousness, your righteousness that you give to us. Thank you for this word. It is our life, as Moses said. It is not a casual word. It is the means by which we truly live as human beings, the means by which we become whole and real human beings. Bless us, Lord, to understand it and to feed on it, to be nourished and changed by it. Oh, refresh us in your word for the glory of Jesus. Amen. At least it was not a big plant that I was given in college by... Uh, a friend who was a girl, and I put the little plant on the top of my uh, crates that made up my uh, bookcase at the time, and there I put it, and it was probably three months later (laughs) that I noticed it. Of course, it was like there was nothing in it, because I looked down and it was just a brown nothing. I murdered the plant. Yes, I did. I did. I'm sorry. Um, I did better with this big plant that sits by our doorway. Uh, Kay had been gone several days, and of course, I'm just in and out, in and out. And I noticed that it was beginning to dry up a bit. You know, leaves were wilting on the edge, and it was everything. It was droopy. It was amazing. After I gave it water, which I should have been doing every day that the next day, he's just great, you know, (laughs) you're just thinking that that plant's just thinking, I am back, (laughs) I'm here, and every every leaf had been filled out, he'd just been made vibrant again, you could never tell that he was even dried up a little bit uh, the day before, and imagine not just a plant, but imagine a whole field of, say, corn that's dried up and turning the edges are brown and then rain comes for a couple of days and then it's just vibrant and rich. And imagine a whole land like that, a whole nation dried up and then replenished by the rains. Well, it's that kind of blessing, that kind of richness that is described in this chapter of uh, water, uh, of a blessing of God going in every direction because because of people giving of them of their wealth. The blessing of God flowing everywhere you look because people are reflecting the grace of Jesus Christ by spending themselves for the sake of God's people. It's an amazing thing. We think of just money being given, and Paul draws out in the most universal terms the amazing impact of this one simple gift that's going to the poor people in Jerusalem, the poor church in Jerusalem. Though it's not a great analogy because it's running wild, I love when sometimes as kids you turn on a hose and it's pouring out so wildly you can't get the end of it and it's just going around like that, you know, and you have a kid trying to grab it and it's just going everywhere. And not that God's grace is wild in the haphazard sense, but it is wild in that it's so uncontrollable it will go where you just don't even know it's going to go. It's going to have an effect in spreading goodness in ways that we can't even imagine. And so in a sense, that is great. The wild, unmanageable grace of God poured out in our lives and then spilling out everywhere you turn as we, in turn, spend our lives for others. Well, he uses the... Uh, the farming analogy that's used several times in Scripture in verse 6. We're, we, we talked a lot about verse 7 last week. Uh, this is page 968. It, it'll help to be looking at the text if you want to go, follow along. But in verse 6, here's the very easy to understand analogy. If you sow a few seeds, you're going to get a small crop. If you sow a lot of seeds, you're going to get a lot of crop. It's pretty basic. It's pretty straightforward. Scant sowing, scanty harvest. Plentiful sowing, plentiful harvest, as one translation has it. Uh, One puts it this way. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, an interesting thing, this word for bountiful or generous or abundant, it really literally is the word for blessing that we see many times in scripture. Uh, That word blessing is made up of, of two little words, good and to say, to say a good word to bless someone. So literally, it's though, whoever sows, sows, and you could translate it with blessings, or to say on the basis of blessings, will reap with blessings. But what would that mean? What does it mean to sow on the basis of blessings? It seems to be saying that you, if we sow in the context of, of God's blessing. With the expectation of blessing, it means to sow in faith and hope, to sow in the context of blessing, to sow as a result of blessing and in the hope of blessing. It's like a farmer sows, he doesn't sow seed because he thinks nothing's gonna happen, he sows in the great hope and expectation of a harvest. And so it's sowing in that context, not just just saying if you sow a lot, but it's saying if you sow with this expectation of blessing. To sow sparingly then is to sow with no expectation, to sow in unbelief, to sow like a miser would, regretful of what you've spent because you think it's gone. It's just gone. I, I could have had this, I could have had that, but I just gave it away. It's gone. And of course, if you think that way, you're not going to give a lot to God's people. You're not going to give a lot to Christ's mission. If all you're thinking about is, I could have had a color TV. And now, who knows what's going to happen to it. I could have made payments on a car this year, but I didn't. I had to settle for my old car. See, that kind of thinking is miserly thinking. It's not a thinking of the the blessings that will come from this to me and to others and sowing in that kind of hope. It's interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, okay? 1 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians. uh, He's speaking of the Old Testament and how. Uh, The ministers of the gospel can make their living from the gospel, but he uses this same analogy. He says the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. So there's that idea of hope. So sowing as expecting the blessedness and you will be blessed in it. So you're sowing, it's interesting, you're sowing blessing back into your own life. You're bringing good into your life as you give good away to others. And so to give is to sow. We must have that firmly in our heads. That this is to bring a harvest. This is producing a harvest. And one uh, down home translation is, those who give with a closed fist or those who give with an open hand? Give with a closed fist, prying the fingers loose almost, as little as possible, a little to get by with, just sparing what we can, not affecting our budget, not affecting our lifestyle, not affecting the decisions we make, just a little here and there. At least we gave something to the church. Generally, that's miserly giving with no hope, no expectation, No sense of blessing. So, verse 6, very clear cut. Are you going to sow sparingly or bountifully? And it means it has something to do with the amount you give, but it's not just that. Remember what we said about the men who were giving huge amounts of money to the treasury that Jesus noticed in Luke chapter 21. If it was just the amount... Jesus would have said, wow, bountiful harvest, bountiful sowing, bountiful harvest, bountiful sowing. And when she put in two pennies, he'd say, she ain't going to get much from two pennies. But it was the opposite, wasn't it? It was the heart that she had to sacrifice. It was the fact that they were giving huge amounts, but they weren't going to even miss it. It wasn't going to affect them one way or another. And perhaps some of them were giving it as a show, as the Pharisees often did. And they weren 't even giving it for the glory of God they weren 't giving it because they loved anybody. they were just giving it to make a reputation for themselves so it it includes it includes lavish giving in so much as that 's the result of my passion for Jesus, my love for people, my desire. As we use the phrase, joy finds a way to give. Joy wants to give. Joy is eager. Joy makes sacrifice. Joy disciplines itself. Joy makes choices so that joy can express itself and give itself away. That's what joy does. Because joy has tasted of the love of Jesus Christ and is exhilarated in that love. And that joy begins to spill out for others. Well, if you drop to verse 8, we, we see some... Verses 8 through 14 is Paul's giving an exposition or explanation of all of the bountiful uh, blessing that will come. What you say, well, how are we going to reap? Well, here it comes. Now, often in uh, especially crass so-called Christian America, TV America, okay... The giving is for the point that ultimately you'll get more stuff. And it's about that crass. If you'll make this sacrifice, then you'll probably have new cars, you're going to get a big house, you're going to have a big fund. All of this will happen because you're giving your money away. So if you're looking for that kind of reaping, eh? this isn't the passage for you. (laughs) You'll have to find some TV evangelist. You're just not going to find the scripture much on that. Now, it does, as we will see, God will supply your need. But time and again in this passage, he says, God will supply your need and will give you grace to continue to be able to give. Now, for some people, if they heard that, they'd think, well, that's not the reward I want. That's not the reaping I want. But if you really love to give and it's your joy to give, to hear God say, and as you give yourself and your wealth away, I will continue to enable you to spin yourself for other people. That's good news. That's good news for the person who loves to give to others. And that's what God promises. Look in verse 8. There are actually five alls here. The uh, Greek word... uh, P-A-N or P-A-S is found five times here. So it, it reads, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound, and literally it would read, in all kinds of works. That every is another one of those alls. So... Paul is just mounting word after word after word. He's just stacking them on top of each other to try to get at the profuse, abundant resources that God has to give to those who are spitting themselves for others. Not only, of course, in their money, but their time and their gifts, giving ourselves away. God is able to make all grace, ultimate Unlimited grace abound to you. Let me just refer to one other passage that some of you may have already started thinking about. This is Ephesians 3. After praying that we would come to know, and I think Alan just prayed this prayer in our beginning prayer time, that we might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And here in verse 20 of Ephesians 3 to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Well, this is the same kind of thing, isn't it? Just said in a different way. Grace, uh, able to do far and abundantly beyond all that we think. He's made, able to make all grace abound to you. So that then three all's in a, in a row all sufficiency in all things at all times. There's no loophole here, is there? There's no place to hide and say, well, I I, I could be in need somewhere and not have what I need. No, everywhere, at all times, in every situation, He is going to enable you to abound in every good work. Now, one commentator points out that that doesn't mean that you're going to have a huge increasing standard of living because Paul himself said, I know what it is to have plenty and I know what it is to have very little. And Paul was one who was lavish in his giving. So your situation could change, but the ability to constantly give yourself in whatever way God enables you, he will do that for you so that you will be abundant in good works. Now, there's an interesting And also, I think it's important to apply this, as I think Paul was, to their present situation. To say, now, so bountifully as we are gathering this collection for Jerusalem, and remember, He's the one that will enable you to do it. He's the one that will change your heart. He's the one that will give you the desire and supply all you need for it. And so I would say this to any of you who have really never given that much to this or another church, who never really participated in the fellowship of God's people, putting their wealth together to make Christ known to the nations, putting their wealth together to supply a ministry here that can influence and transform this city and that can be used to plant other churches and establish other ministries around the world. That may not be a part of your life, but here he says... He is able to make that grace come to you, to bring it about for you, so that you have not in, been in the practice or even thinking about giving sacrificially in this way. He will enable you to do that. And not just in a basic way, a, a kind of being able to do it, He's able to make all grace abound so that in all things at all times you'll have all sufficiency these good things. And I want you to look at a, a word here that's very interesting. Um, as, as, it, as it appears here, he's saying basically that, if, that, that God will enable anyone who wishes to give to be able to give. Uh, that's not going to be the problem if that is a true desire that you have. And, and it may grow over time, your ability to do that, but He's going to enable you to do that. And again, not only with just money, but all of your gifts and, and your capacity to bring blessing to God's people. But this word sufficiency is very interesting because uh, it's translated sufficiency in the ESV that we have in the pew there. He's able to make all sufficiency, uh, having all sufficiency. This word in, in Greek philosophy... Uh, ...means self-sufficiency. It has a word auto, which means self, and then this word need. So you have no need of anything outside of yourself. And with the Stoics and the Cynics, this meant that you separate yourself out... ...so you don't depend on anything or anybody, so nothing can affect you. So you can stay even all the time, see? You don't need anything from anybody, or you don't need anything from any circumstance... You're separated from all that so your life can be even and smooth, okay? Self-sufficient, autokria. Well, in this context, interestingly, the sufficiency is having a sufficiency to abound in every good work. So from Paul's perspective, to be made whole as a human being, to have full sufficiency is to be dependent on God's ability and to create this desire to give and supply the resources to give. In other words, it's a sufficiency that comes from him so that you have a desire to spend yourself for other people. So self-sufficient means for Paul, the self has a desire and resources to pour itself out for others. So to become whole means I spend myself for others. That's what Paul is saying. Our version of being a whole human being... See, their version of being a whole human being is you're not dependent on anybody or anything. God's version is you're dependent upon God so that you pour yourself out for others, now you're a whole human being. Now you've been put together again, made like God who pours himself out for others, showing it ultimately in pouring himself out on the cross itself. You want to see what God is like? How God spends himself lavishly to do others good? Jesus perfectly reveals the love of God on the cross lavishly spending himself for our sake. And that's why Jesus said in Luke 17, 33, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, whoever spends his life, he will keep his life. He's become a real human being because he spends his life. And that's what Paul says in Philippians 2 about the Lord Jesus, though he... uh, He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He poured Himself out and became a servant, even to the point of the cross. And so, it's interesting, in verse 9 in that passage, it says, Therefore God highly exalted Him. He is made Lord because He exhibited kingly sacrifice. See? See? He exhibited his noble, infinite dignity in that he would lay down himself for his own people. Who ever heard of such a king? Who ever heard of such a king? Not sending his subjects into battle to spill their blood for him, but he goes into battle, spills his blood to rescue and save them. Therefore, he's highly exalted as Lord over us. What a lordly, kingly Savior we have who with His unlimited resources spends Himself lavishly for our good to rescue us. What a lavish King who takes nothing from us, really, but He gives everything for us that we don't have ourselves. And so... I love Harris's translation of this, give yourself, give generously now, and you will find that God maintains your desire to give and increases your resources for giving. He will keep giving you a desire to give and he will give you the resources for giving. And for a believer, that's good news. That's really good news that he will equip me to have a life of giving the ringing assurance of God's bountiful, bountiful provision that makes possible generous actions of every sort. And he, he just continues to talk about that. In verse 9, he quotes the Old Testament. Uh, he's, uh, this is uh, Psalm 112. He's distributed freely. He's given to the poor, speaking of the man who fears God. His righteousness endures forever. And in the context, Paul probably probably intends by this, his righteousness, that is, his ability to give himself away and, and love and, and show compassion, it will continue on and on and on. This capacity, because God promises it. You will abound in every good work. And then in verse 10, He takes sections of two uh, Old Testament passages. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And it's interesting. One of the passages he quotes here is that famous Isaiah 55, 10 passage where it says, My word will not return void. Just like the seed doesn't return void and it produces a fruit, my word won't return void. And when you think about his later statement about the gospel and how this is the flow of their confession of the gospel, this is the overflowing of your response to the gospel, You're trusting in Jesus Christ. It's the word of Jesus Christ that's come to you. You've believed in this gracious word of Christ and now flowing from that word are these good works. And I would make this comparison with Isaiah 55. He says, just like sowing seed, a crop bursts forth, so my word, when it goes forth, it will produce fruit. And here's Paul saying, the fruit of your works, which has come from the word of God, planted in your hearts. The gospel has had a place in your heart and now it's flowing forth and it will continue to produce a harvest. So see, in a a new way, that word going forth and producing a harvest. What's the harvest? It's that our lives are so changed that we become like Jesus and begin to spend ourselves for other people like Jesus did for us. And you see, that's a dry plant that now looks green, okay? Okay? Because when we are ingrown and focused on ourselves and only our lives and only what we have, and our hearts are not embracing the the people of God and the ongoing mission of Jesus Christ and the lost of the world, our heart has shrunk down to a little tiny box. It's brown and its edges are wilting. And a heart replenished, a heart that is full and rich, has feasted upon the love of Christ, been replenished by the love of Christ, and now it is showing its fruit in spending itself for others. And so he says in verse 11, You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Well, as he summarizes, and our time is up, but it's that this will meet the needs of the saints. It will create fellowship between you and them. It will, it will cause you to be able to continue to be able to give yourself away. And it will cause thanksgiving and praise to God. So this giving encourages the saints, binds their hearts together, brings about gratitude in their hearts to God and brings praises to God. And it relieves them and it brings the blessings of Christ to more and more people in the world. And this phrase, if you will, look at this last phrase in verse 13. They will glorify God because of your submission Flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. You see, their submission of themselves and all that they have is flowing from their confession of the gospel. If you say that you believe in Jesus Christ and you trust in his mercy and grace, what will flow from that? You will give yourself up to him gladly. You will entrust yourself to such a glorious king who has sacrificed so much for you. And that will include your wealth. That will include even what you have so that you, like the Corinthians, like the Macedonians, like the widow, like the Philippians, as Paul writes to the Philippians, who helped Paul again and again in his missionary work, um, we will enter into that joy of giving ourselves away to God and to others. Has that happened for you? Has that happened that you've seen something of the beauty and glory of Christ so that you'd have to say, I admire him. I've really begun to admire the Lord Jesus. And I, I find myself adoring him. I find myself wanting to know more about him and, I find myself wanting to be like him and to please him and I want to know him. That's what happens in the gospel. That's what happens. Not just a little thing where you say, yeah, I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart when I was 12 years old and yeah, I'm going to heaven. I know that. No, no. It, it, it's, a, it's a transformation in how you love the Lord Jesus, how you love him. He died. Paul says in the same letter that we would no longer live for ourselves but for him who died for us and was raised for us. That's what he ultimately died for. So that you finally and I finally would be released from our brown leaves of self and we would be replenished into whole people that give ourselves away to others by his grace. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, call people to yourself. None of us will trust you on our own. None of us will come to you on our own, Lord. We will continue to hold on to our lives thinking that we are saving ourselves. Saving ourselves from having your hands on us. Saving ourselves from you having control of us. Saving ourselves from other people having us. And if we do that, we lose ourselves. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would enable any and all here to see the beauty and the glory of this king and to entrust their lives to him with joy and to enter into this life of spending ourselves even as Jesus has spent himself for us. Oh, Lord, without that joy, as even our mission statement says, there will be no giving of ourselves. But bless us that we will fulfill this mission, this vision that we have to love God and love others nurtured by this joy that comes by proclaiming and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: stressful rain, break radiant through the shades of night, and chase my fears away, won't you chase my fears away?